This morning we're continuing our series, which we've been doing for the last couple months, on diversity, which I'm excited to be finishing up next week. We're going to have a panel discussion next week with some of the um, diversity that our church enjoys and celebrates. Uh, after talking about it for a couple months, I realized the irony of a white guy continually talking about diversity. So uh, I want to hand it over to some other people to uh, be able to share a little bit of their perspective. It's been awesome to hear uh, from people at the end of our service during our sending time, some of their perspectives and stories. That's been really uh, moving. But I want to have the opportunity for us just as a, as a church to celebrate some of the diversity we have and to hear from different people in our church. So I'm really excited about uh, next Sunday. hope that you'll I'll be back to, to join us for that. And I know that it's really important to think about diversity, and we think that it's really important for us, and we all would say that, you know, I, I have diverse backgrounds. Hopefully you live in Los Angeles, so you have different friends of different backgrounds and, and different races, different perspectives, different ethnicities, and that's important for us all. But I think sometimes, even though we have that, we often can think, like, yeah, I like their perspectives or their ideas, but my, my way is the best. You know, like, I, if, I'm, if I'm being honest, like, the way that I see the world is, like, just, you know, rational, and I never make any, like, feelings-based decisions, and I'm the one who has, like, the best view of any given situation. And if you uh, haven't felt that before, then maybe you need to realize that you're feeling that, because we all think that we're unbiased. There's an interesting book called by Tim Harlow, and he says this, no matter how hard uh, a person tries... A single human being can never give you a completely unbiased report on any event or issue. And you're like, but I can. He or she will always give you a view that is filtered to some extent through his or her own prejudices. And I hope that you realize that. I think that that's true. And so this is why it's powerful for us to have a diverse community, have diverse perspectives, have different groups from different backgrounds coming together, because it helps us, I think, to understand that our own view of a situation is limited and it's very powerful for me, at least personally, when I get to hear another perspective that just blows me away and we say, wow, I've never thought of it that way before. And one of the ways that I think we could do that as a community more and more is to live out what I'm going to talk about this morning. And it's something that I don't think is necessarily all that important in our world today. So in Romans chapter 12, Paul is writing and gives some very specific instructions about what love and what community then will look like. So he says, love must be sincere. Hate what is evil, cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. This is some extremely powerful, practical advice on what it is to live in community. And really, all of those sentences could be a sermon in and of themselves, but if I was to talk about all of it, we'd be here for a very long time. But what I want to talk about today is the idea, honor one another above yourselves. What if we could be a community and a place that does that? What if you could do that in your neighborhood? If you could do that at work? If you could have a perspective that says, you know, I'm choosing to honor you. Now, honor is something that, again, I don't think in our world is uh, that honorable, perhaps. You might say it that way. 
We don't think about honoring other people. There are certain days of the year, Mother's Day, we're like, all right, I got to call mom and tell her something or give her some flowers or maybe do something. We you know, have those certain days of the year perhaps where we honor somebody. But what would it look like to live a life of honor that's looking not to just your own needs, but to the needs of others. The word honor that is used there in Greek, it is a term for value. So it's like what, what you would give to, what, what money you would sacrifice. It's a way of, of like determining that someone else that you're talking with, that you're in relationship with, that person has value. Like they are significant. They're important. Like you have value to me. And so if you were to communicate that to somebody through your actions and the way that you treated them, what would it look like? What would it look like if you were to communicate with people like, you, you make a difference in my life. You matter to me. I'm going to pause everything and just like somehow show you in the way that I'm speaking with you and the way that we're having this moment. Like I want to show you that I honor you. And we like to think perhaps that we just do that naturally and, you know, well, you know I just honor people, that's, that's what I do. But in reality, oftentimes I think we fall into systems and structures of not necessarily honoring everybody. There's a study done by Columbia University that studied uh, this really large uh, corporation. I don't know what it is, uh, so don't ask me later. I don't know what it is. That was kept private. But they studied tens of thousands of emails that had been written uh, throughout the year um, in this one company. And what they found was, was pretty interesting, although probably the result is pretty expected. They found that if someone high up in the company, let's say the CEO or someone near the top, if they wrote an email to somebody, the response was almost instantaneous. Like if you get an email from the CEO, if you get an email from somebody really significant or high important way up on top of the food chain, yeah, you're going to write that person back right away. But if there's someone that's a little bit closer to your level, perhaps below you, that email lag time is quite a bit longer. That, yeah, I'll get back to him. You know, old Joe, I'll get back to him when I can. You know, I'll, I'll get, he, he's, I'll see him around the water cooler or whatever. I'll get back to him eventually. When the CEO email pops in your inbox and that name comes through, you're like, all right, I'm going to stop everything. I want to make sure that this person is happy with me. I want to figure this out. But when it comes to somebody who is a little bit perhaps on your same level or even lower than you, just you don't really think to write them back. So even in a culture like ours, which we think is pretty progressive and moving forward in certain ways, or we honor everybody in the same way, we all have biases. And this company shows it. I think it's a challenge for us to live into the reality that C.S. Lewis reminds us of. C.S. Lewis says this, There are no ordinary people. You've never talked to a mere mortal. What if you could have that perspective? That there's no ordinary person. That everyone has the image of God in them. Everyone has value the gift. We live in LA, so perhaps you're somewhat used to seeing celebrities from time to time. But when you do, and it's somebody that you really think is important or special, and you want to try to take a picture of them without them noticing so you can show your friends, or you maybe want to talk to them and say, like, I'm one of those cool fans. I'm not going to get out of control. But as you see that person, you have that feeling, like, oh, I can't believe it. Like, he's over there. She's over there. Like, how special 
specialization. I'm, I'm like in line with like my favorite whatever it is. You know, I'm, I'm so excited. I can't believe like that person is here. I got to meet Walker Bueller of the Dodgers a few, about a month ago, and I took Carter with me, and I said, this is like me meeting Santa Claus right now. <laughs> this, is, this is a little bit um, significant for me. What if we were able to look around at people in our world, in our church community, and just say with our actions, it's like, I, I can't believe I, I get to be next to you. Like, I can't believe that you're here. Sonia showed up. OMG. I think that's the first time I ever used that phrase, but uh, I just got excited. <laughs> I got excited about seeing Sonia. What if we could have that perspective and just say, you know, it's so cool that you're here. And, and what if we could have that sort of time for each other? If we could just check out of our own worlds and what was happening and just say, like, I have like, this sort of, of perspective of honoring you. Paul says this is how we should be as a community. Not only that, but he says some hard things about honor. People that we would say, I don't know that I'm too comfortable with that. For example, he says that we should honor those in positions of authority. And that one's hard, I think. Perhaps you weren't a big Barack Obama fan. Perhaps you aren't a Donald Trump fan. And we would say, whoa, 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 honor, like honor that person? Like, how am I supposed to do that? And Paul would say, hey, I, look, I get that. Like, perhaps your leader isn't that impressive or your boss or whoever it is. Perhaps that person isn't all that impressive. And sometimes you need to challenge that person. Sometimes you need to say some difficult things and, you know, sometimes have a hard conversation or sometimes, like, rally against what they're trying to do. But can you find a way to do that and still honor that person? Because Paul would say, look, I know bad people in charge. Historians think that Paul wrote this about honoring those who were in charge when this guy was in charge, Nero. There should be a picture of him, I believe. Yeah, this is Nero. If you don't know anything about Nero, you should Google him. A lot of crazy stuff. But something happened specifically. Nero really loved him some Nero is a good way to put it. Um, And he's the emperor of Rome. Generally, people think at the time that Paul is writing this, And there was a fire that broke out that most people think was actually Nero's fault because he wanted to basically like rebuild in this area. And so he just like started this fire. But he had to blame somebody because of that. And he blamed this really weird group of like new people that everybody thought was strange anyway. So he's like, that's pretty easy. I'll just blame those Christians over there. And so he, during his reign, broke out one of the most horrific um, persecutions of Christians. And so he did many, many terrible things to Christians. What he's most infamous for is he would have parties in his backyard, and he would put stakes up and tie Christians to them at night and light them on fire, and that would be the light of, of the party that was going on, which is like, that is a really weird party. I, I don't understand how you're like, yeah, pass me more artichoke dip while someone's like burning behind you. I don't really understand how, how that happened, but it is like a, a horrific guy, and that's just like the tip of the iceberg for who this guy was, and so Paul says, look, I get it. You know, you possibly don't believe with all your Don't agree with all your president's policies. But look at what I got to deal with. (laughs) Like, look at what I got. I've heard it said, I think it's true, that people get the leaders they deserve. And so maybe sometimes we have to search our own hearts and think about perhaps if I don't agree with, like, these policies or these politics, like, perhaps I need to think about on my level the way that I speak about people 
the way that I sometimes don't always do what I'm supposed to do, the way that sometimes I live out of a, I think I might get the leader that I deserve. So Paul says to us, yeah, I, I, I get it. That the leadership I was under wasn't great. But still, you find some way to honor them. What if we could make a community like that here? A famous passage that speaks about the body of Christ is in 1 Corinthians, also Paul's writing in chapter 12. The parts that are less important we treat with, with special honor, the parts that are unpresentable or treated with special modesty. While our presentable parts need a special treatment, but God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is part of it. We recognize this, that as we think about our body, I love the video of the Be the Church Sunday. I'm excited about the next Sunday. One of the um, things that was so exciting for me as we as a church leadership came up with that idea is I just got to dream and think like, all right, what do people have gifts for here already? And so I saw the thought of Sean who cuts my hair and I thought, let's just have him cut people's hair. And then I thought of Drew and Lindsay Penrod, who had a passion in Austin where they were previously, and they're visiting back there this weekend. Uh, but I thought of them, and they had a passion for feeding homeless in the community. And I was like, sweet, you guys know how to do this already. Go for it. And so if you have any ideas, if there's anything that I don't know, if you have like some secret service talent that you haven't told me of before, please let me know. I'd love for you to do it. So on November 3rd, we're just going to say, what are the talents that we have, and how can we use those to better love our community? And when we first had that idea, I thought it was just such a cool thing. And it's what Paul's saying, like, just try it away so everyone realizes how valuable and important they are. Because every part of the body has great value. Every single one of us has important value, and we need each other. As I'm getting older up in my years, I mean, I'm 36 now, so I'm really reflective, but uh, there are days, days that, that I get up and parts of my body hurt that I don't even know that I used yesterday. And I'm like, I don't even understand how that, that's possible, but somehow like, you, you then realize how important like a little part of the, the back part of your leg is when you're trying to limp through the whole day with it. We are the body of Christ. We need everybody engaged. We need everybody participating. We need to honor every single part because all of us matter. And it's even those who we would say sometimes are, are not all that powerful or not all that important that Jesus would say, no, I, I want them here, I think of the story of people bringing children to Jesus. And Mark, if you'll go to the next slide for me. People were bringing little children to Jesus for him to place his hands on them. But the disciples rebuked them. When Jesus saw this, he was indignant. And you got to remember, that is not indignant at the people bringing the kids. He's indignant at the disciples. He said to them, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly, I tell you, Anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. And he took the children in his arms. He placed his hands on them. And he blessed them. So in this moment when Jesus is 
doing his ministry, and he's always doing really important stuff. He's healing people. He's teaching. There's these kids who come up, and the disciples are like, yeah, get the kids out of here, you know. Send them, send them to Bible adventures. Or whatever. Get, get them out of here. You know, t- teach, us, teach us something significant. Teach us something important. You need to do, Jesus, you're so busy. Jesus is basically like, hey, you disciples, I don't want to hang out with you guys anymore. Let me play with the kids for a little bit. And this is so beautiful and important. And we would think of it and say, wow, that, that's really significant and great that Jesus did this. But this was in a time when children weren't very valuable. They weren't considered as important. They weren't considered people to be honored in this way. But Jesus reverses it and says, no, 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 no. This is who are my people. I honor you. I spend time with you. I'm going to like take my whole schedule and throw it off to just recognize how, how a wonderful blessing you are. It's amazing if we treat people with honor and respect, even those who we would say aren't all that significant or important, don't have all that much power. It's amazing what they can do. Perhaps you're familiar currently with uh, Greta Thunberg and what she's doing and what, how she's kind of turned the whole world upside down. And I know some of you might have differing opinions on, on climate change. I think that um, I would ask you to read your Bible and think about that very seriously. I'd love to talk with you more about that. But no matter what you think about her politics or, or what she's done, what started as a 15-year-old girl with a sign, and here it was when she first started, what started as a 15-year-old girl with a sign outside of Swedish Parliament has become a movement that has stretched all over the world. Millions of people are involved because a 15-year-old girl had a sign. And I don't know what that sign says, but I assume the last one is a climate word. School, school strike for climate. There we go. All right. Yeah. I mean, it's pretty obvious if you look at it for a few seconds, but thank you. <laughs> but what started as a 15-year-old girl with a sign has had impact all over the world. She spoke to the United Nations. And again, you might not agree with everything that she says, or th- but it's amazing what happens. It's amazing what power, even voices that we would sometimes consider not all that important, when we listen to people, when we honor them. And I know that as we think about these concepts or think about how we could live this out in our lives, we sometimes can think through the ways that we can be a diverse group of people. I was doing some, some reading, and uh, this, this really convicted me. Uh, the, the same part of our, our hearts and our emotions where racism comes from, there's something else that comes from it as well. And Hopefully, we would all raise our hand and say, like, I'm fighting racism in my heart. I want to be somebody who loves people who are different than me. I, I take priority to make sure people who have different backgrounds are in my life, and I, I make sure they are part of, of my community. And so hopefully, we all would say, you know, I'm, I actively am against racism in all forms in my heart. But what also comes from the place of racism in the heart is bigotry. That's a word that you might not be too familiar with the definition of, but it's intolerance toward those who hold different opinions from oneself. Now, if that one hits a little close to home, it probably should. Because again, we could say all day, I'm I'm not a racist, I have lots of different friends, but 
Like this one, bigotry is a little more socially acceptable. Perhaps not the word, but intolerance toward those who hold different opinions. I know that as I think about in my life, and it's not just in, in politics, it's when it comes to relationships, sometimes when someone who has hurt me, and so they have like a different view of a situation, it's so easy for me to just cut them down or think about their weaknesses or think about their flaws or their issues or, you know, some conversation that I had with them and I have this like one soundbite that I hold on to and, you know, they said this and really it was only one part of the conversation, but it's easy for me to just look at those who are perhaps on the other side of any sort of issue and be pretty intolerant towards them. So yeah, we're anti-racism, but we got to be anti-bigotry as well. If you want to be a person who has diverse ideas and perspectives, you have to be willing to share community with people who have some different ideas than you. And really this is about just honesty because if you're really to know all the things that we all collectively think about stuff, you'd be shocked. You'd be like, wait, you're a Christian and... But that's just what happens when we get to know each other. What if we were to create a space where we could honor and recognize that, yeah, there's differences, but still I honor you as a human being. Author Danny Silk says this this way, life flows through honor. Accurately assessing who people are will open us up to give them what they deserve and to receive the gift of who they are in our lives. Accurately assessing that someone else is a person of value or worth, that someone else is, is loved by God just as you are, if you accurately assess that person, that opens up all of us to receive the gift of who they are in our lives. I think it's so important that we do this, but completely countercultural. Because oftentimes we're just really good at standing back and being the critic and saying everything that somebody did wrong instead of saying, No, I'm just going to honor this person and this gift. In Mark chapter 6, we see this. Jesus is in, is in his hometown. And it's really interesting what happens. This is not the typical story that you talk about with Jesus in his hometown, but it's interesting what happens. Mark chapter 6, verses 1 through 3. Jesus left there and went to his hometown, accompanied by his disciples. When the Sabbath came, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many who heard him were amazed. Where did this man get these things? They asked. What's this wisdom that has been given him? What are these remarkable miracles he's performing? Isn't this the carpenter? Isn't this Mary's son and the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon? Aren't his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. So he's in his hometown. He's starting to teach. And he's gaining some traction. Like, well, that's pretty impressive. I don't even know how he knows this stuff. And instead of just being like moved by what he's offered and saying, wow, that's really meaningful, they're just trying to cut him down, right? Like, oh, he's just, he's just the carpenter's son. We, we know He's, he's, I mean, he's, yeah, he's teaching some cool stuff right here, but he's not all that special. And I think we are so good at this. That we see something that someone else is doing, and honestly, it's a little bit of jealousy that's in our hearts. And we just say, oh, let me just point out the little fleas in them. You know, they're, they're not perfect. 
They've got this issue or, or that issue. They have this problem. Like, isn't, isn't that just the son of the carpenter? He's not all that significant or important. And it's pretty funny to me to, to think about this because uh, this is one thing to do this like with your brother-in-law who kind of annoys you or something like that or you know, your neighbor, right? Who's like, how does, how does he have such a nice car? Like, what? He's kind of, you, you, kind of, you can easily, you can do that for those. But these people are doing about Jesus Christ. Like, I mean, come on now, right? Even, even him, you know, you can stand back and go, man, that was a really amazing sermon. I mean, it really sounds like you were like, I don't know, God himself speaking that. But um, let me just cut that down a little bit. It's, it's really not all that impressive. I mean, he's just, a car, he's just the son of a carpenter. This is like when the Beatles would have started, right? You know, Ringo Starr, who's that? I mean, that's just Richard from Liverpool, right? Who, who really cares? What if we could just honor people? And when they do something great and significant and it's moving, we say thank you for that gift. Thank you. And I'm not going to try to cut it down. I'm not going to try to look for the worst in you. I'm going to say thank you because it's very meaningful. You've offered that to me. Sometimes I think we're very self-focused in our world today, and this has an impact on this. And a story that, that I heard from Philip, uh, we had Thelma's funeral here a few weeks ago, and while that, um, after the funeral service had happened, we had a lot of people here, so we'd asked members of our church to park on the street so we would have more parking for her family uh, here, and many of you did that, which was awesome. And then during the reception, Philip was outside, and he heard a couple people who live right next to our church uh, saying some things, and I won't use the language they were using, but they were like, this church over here, they had a funeral, like, and that's why everyone's parked on the street. They were mad that we'd, we'd taken up some street parking for um, the funeral. And I don't really, I don't want to try to condemn those people, but I got to say, I, I do that kind of thing all the time, where I can easily think, like, what is happening seems to be some sort of conspiracy of the world against me, you know? Like if I'm going in traffic and, you know, I'm late and, and, a, and a funeral procession is happening, I don't go, man, let me pray for that family. They're probably mourning right now. Or I don't, when I have a, something going on, there's a wedding or something going on, it's just kind of inconvenient for me. I don't go, oh, I hope they have a great marriage. Let me pray for their marriage. I often can see the world through just basically how it affects me. And my first impulse is not honor very often. So I totally get those guys who, man, there's a funeral. They're parking on our street. But what if we could be people who seek to live with honor and to have that be the first impulse and not, well, how is this negatively affecting me? But instead, how, how can I honor the people who are involved in this? How do I not just think, yeah, this is going to make me 10 minutes late somewhere. How do I think about how, can, how I can honor those who are in my world? In the Ten Commandments, there's only one commandment that has a blessing attached to it. You know what it is? Anybody? Honor your father and mother so that you may live long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. 
Uh, with biblical principles, it's not always a one-to-one. Someone who dies young doesn't necessarily mean like in every situation. But this is the only one. It doesn't say, do not murder, and then you'll have a great life because of that. It's just like, do not murder, and <laughs> let's, let's move on. But this comes with this blessing that there's something about honoring your parents, that there's some goodness that comes from that. And I know that some of you have complicated relationships with, with your parents, which, which I understand personally. But I think this principle can be applied to more than just your father and mother. I think honoring people opens us up to blessing. It opens us up to see the blessing that someone else is and to help bring out the best in them. There's a book by Liz Wiseman uh, about, it's called Multipliers, and she's writing about research that she's done of, of bosses, and she has the category of, of good bosses, and she calls them multipliers. And she says those people are able to help those who, who work around them and, and, and below them um, to, to grow and help them to multiply in certain ways. And then she says that people who are on the other side of that are diminishers. And perhaps you have worked for a diminisher. Maybe you are currently working uh, for a diminisher. Try your best to honor them as long as you have to do that. But if you work with a diminisher, she said that there's been studies done with people who, their, people who work for them would label as diminishers. And they've found that IQ testing actually goes down for people who work below people who are diminishers by 20 points. Because if you are constantly like harassing the people who are below you, if you're constantly just getting on those people, if you're constantly telling them how they don't measure up or just constantly just doing all this negative stuff, eventually they give you what you've been telling them they are. If you're constantly just saying, like, you're not this or you're not that enough, you just eventually get the results that you're speaking. You have the opportunity to see those who are around you, to speak to them in certain ways. At times, that means you have to challenge people. At times, that means you have to have some hard conversations. But what if you could enter every conversation, even if it was hard, and say, first of all, like you don't necessarily have to speak it, but just first of all, I want to find some way to honor you in this moment. I want to find some way to be a blessing so we can open up these lines of communication, honor, and that perspective would give us a way to create a space, a safe space, where we recognize that people are a gift to us. And yes, they're different, but that's a blessing. Sometimes when we think about things like race and diversity, we can say something like, I don't see color, and that's a horrible way to think about it. What truly is godly is saying, I see your color, and I see that you're different than me, and that's awesome. Share with me what that's like. Tell me about your perspective. Tell me what you've learned. What's it like to be like you? Not, oh, let's just all go for this like gray, vague perspective. No, let's share what we have and understand that it is a gift. Because we talked about at the very beginning, we all have biases. And that's really dangerous at times. And sometimes it's really valuable to understand that different perspectives and different stories can change your life. 
In that book about biases by uh, Tim Harlow, uh, he tells a story about his daughter who went to seminary. And the, his daughter was in this class with this professor who was from a third world country. And it's really powerful to learn from people who have been in underprivileged situations and people who haven't been in positions of power. It's really important to hear from voices like that. And he says this about a very familiar story. In John, the story of the Samaritan at the well. I think we have a slide for it. Yeah. Why do American pastors, this is about the woman at the well uh, in the book of John, always assume this woman was immoral? She was a woman who lived in a culture where she couldn't take care of herself. She has to live with a man in some way. Having five husbands doesn't necessarily mean she was immoral. And I read that and I was like, like I've always just preached like this is like the, the town prostitute. That's how it is. I always have, have thought about that story and thought about that story. But he's so right. You don't know that for sure. That in that culture and in that time, you could be divorced and kicked out of a home for burning someone's toast. So you were very much thought of as property as a woman. And so the fact that she now is with another person, it doesn't necessarily mean anything about her. And I heard that, I was like, wow, this is an amazing idea. And it came from a guy who had a perspective from a third world country who didn't always think through the lens that an American pastor perhaps would. When we choose to honor the perspectives of other people, we get a much richer and more full life. Almost every week during church, we try to have the the sending where somebody shares something. And during this series on diversity, we've had different people share like their messages and and their thoughts about their, their life and their perspective. But almost every week, I try to have somebody, I'll email and say, hey, I'm talking about this this week. Would you be able to share something? And I almost 100% of the time, like walk away going like, that was better than what I said. And I'm paid to think about this stuff, and I'm kind of jealous sometimes. Like, wow, you brought up something of that, that story or that thing that I had never heard of or never thought about it that way before. Just last week, we had Cecilia share, and it was fantastic. Thank you, Cecilia, for sharing that. And if you missed last week, she did such a great job sharing a little bit about her own life and her perspective and what she has seen and the things that she has been blessed by. And she told me today she has even more she wants to say, so we'll give her another chance at, at, at some point. But when we get a chance to hear those kind of stories and things, it, it's just such a gift, isn't it? Like when we hear from what someone has to share, and no pressure on Robbie who's sharing in just a few minutes, but when we hear what, what it is that these people share with us, it's just like, thank you so, that is so helpful for me to think about. It's not just, as I said, during the diversity series, so often you guys are just saying stuff that's like, wow, I never thought of it like that, and I'm paid to think about it like that. What if we could be people who start with honor, A practical way you might think of this is maybe some of your neighbors who live by you in your apartment or wherever it is that you happen to live, if you could just have them over for dinner. It's not like you're setting up this formal thing. It has to be this great structure of honor. But I've found that just with, in our world today, just inviting someone over for dinner is so moving to them. Just having them over cooking something that you actually made yourself. 
What if we could live our life instead of thinking, how does this affect me? Oh, am I in another funeral traffic? What if we could just say, I'm going to live to try to honor the people who I come into contact with. And every human being is created in the image of God, and they have something beautiful to offer me. Let's pray. Father, it's, it's so easy in, in our world today to try to cut people down or to see the gift that they have to offer and not recognize its value. May we find ways to honor those who are in our world, who are at work with us, who are our neighbors. May we honor those who deserve it, Father, who, who we don't necessarily recognize. Even at lunch, as, as some of us might be going out to eat, help us to show honor to the person who might be serving us. Help us to find ways to show that love and respect to our neighbors, our coworkers. Even if sometimes we need to have a hard conversation, may we recognize the image of God that is in every person around us. It's in your son, Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Let's stand and